uh, I am so amazed at uh, what the Lord did this weekend, especially well, through both Dutch and Jane, but especially Jane, because she has released to us, or the Lord has released to us a second time what we're to be and what Florida is. I was so blown away. Uh, I didn't have time to put together uh, the words that she spoke about the watchman prophet. But I'm going to go back and share with you what Chuck spoke. Because uh, when the Lord says something one time, it's one thing. But when he says something two times, you better pay attention. Through two different people. And, and she told Pam on the way to the hotel one night that she hadn't, didn't have a clue that Chuck had even said anything like this. So let me read to you. This is on October the 18th, 2018. And here's what Chuck says. He says, I'm here to decree a new watchman movement begins. Now, I believe Florida is to carry this new movement and be an example. Say Florida, Florida. is to be a watchman prophet. I want to start getting you to think Florida. I want to get you out of thinking about your local church because we've already decided we didn't want to be that, and so we're doing away with Sundays. I can't think of a better time than to do it on a traditional Sunday, Easter Sunday, to go to a Friday night. That's slapping tradition in the face and walking away from it. So he says, now hear what God said earlier, along each coast and then into the middle. And I felt like tonight the Lord says, give them some points and activate them because they will be creating an example of the watchman movement ahead. Now remember the watchman. I don't want you just to teach on the watchman. A watchman is a shamar prophet, S-H-A-M-A-R. I hope you take notes today because I'm, I'm going to unpack some of this stuff. They are both intercessor and prophet, aligning together so that they see the move that God is doing. So it's this prophet that's coming into maturity that God means for it in America and from state to state to state. Dutch was telling me yesterday, or either Friday, or Friday night, I don't remember which one, that Chuck has been telling him he needs to get out his watchman book and begin promoting that, but also preaching that again. I find it amazing because that the Lord is emphasizing this. I have been a watchman for many, many years, but this has really awakened me and heightened my discernment to begin discerning. And Chuck says something here that it's what I've been doing for years. Now, a lot of watchmen, they look for the sin. I don't look for the sin. I look for the redemption. I look for what God's doing. And he says something very important here. He says, they're both intercessor and prophet aligning together so that they see the move that God is doing. And watchmen prophets are always looking for the move that God is doing. They're not looking for the move that man has made. They're looking for the move, movement that God is making because God is always making movement in the earth. And we have to keep in mind that his mind is always filled upon us. His mind is full of us. His mind's always thinking about us. When you and I get to, get to join him in heaven, we're going to be amazed at how much he thinks about you. Just as much as you should think about him. 
So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 62. <clears throat> this is a watchman place that I have always come from, but especially when I have preached on being married to the land. I'm not going to preach on being married to the land except to tell you that watchman prophets are married to the land where God has placed them. Watchman prophets do not desire to go somewhere else. They always desire to be where God has placed them. Doesn't mean that God can't shift you. He can shift you. Watchman prophets will not curse the land that they live on. Watchman prophets will not belittle the place that they live. They'll never say, I hate Florida. Or they'll never say, I hate this nation. They'll always focus on the redemptive aspect of the Lord. This is why, and watchman prophets, they own the land that they live on. We're going to read here beginning in verse 1, and I'm going to replace Zion and Jerusalem for Florida. I'm just doing that to personalize this to us. Some people may think that I'm taking something from the Bible. I am. I'm taking revelation from it. It says, for Florida's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Florida's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. And the nations will see your righteousness and the kings your glory. And you will be called by a new name with the mouth of the Lord, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. It will no longer be said to you forsaken, nor to your land will it be any longer be said desolate. But you will be called, my delight is in her. For your land is married. Say married. That's Hepzibah. I mean, uh, delights is Hepzibah. For the Lord, Hepzibahs are delights in you. And to him your land will be married. And that word married is Beulah. As for a young man, for as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And the, as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, your God will rejoice over you. On your walls, O Florida, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Florida a praise in the earth. That word watchman there in verse um, 6 is the word shamar. Uh, Jane brought it up. Chuck brought it up. It's a great definition. It's a word that says to keep, to preserve, to regard, to, to reserve, and to, and to watch over. Adam and Eve were watchman prophets in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 2.15, it says that Adam and Eve were, uh, were to cultivate and keep. And that word keep there is the Hebrew word shamar. That they were to watch over, they were to guard, they were to protect, they were re to reserve. This was their garden. Say, this was their garden. <clears throat> Florida is your garden. Florida is your God garden, so that means you are to become a shamar, a watchman prophet, over your garden. That means you need to be watching for the Lord to come into Florida. This is why Chuck said also when he was here with us, that watch along both coastlines because there are going to be inklings of moves of God along both coastlines. 
He told us to watch our shamar for that. That we need to watch our garden here called Florida because God's getting ready to move in it. He's getting ready to rally in it. I believe some of these meetings, let me share with you the meetings we're doing outside of here at this point, is that we're doing a meeting in June in Tallahassee. Cheryl and I leave there and drive over to Panama City and do a meeting there, a watchman prophet meeting. And then we do a meeting down in Sebring, a watchman prophet meeting. And then we're doing a coastal awakening meeting in Tampa. These are areas and regions I believe the Lord is focusing on. Some that we're going to tap into and press into. <coughs> so we as watchman prophets not only need to watch. And this is, this is a huge transition. I'll just get honest with you. Whenever I passed before at Lighthouse World Outreach in Central Florida. They never could make this transition. Some of them could. Wendy could. Her mom could. A couple of others. But for the most part, none of them could make it. The reason they couldn't make this transition into a focus on the state and a focus on the apostolic rather than the pastoral is they wanted to stay in the old. So about 50% dug their heels in and said, we're not going into that new we like the old. We don't want an apostle. We want a pastor. I said, okay. So I appointed pastors in the church. Somebody would call me. I, I, I purposely didn't take their message. I didn't answer the phone. I want to hear what their message said. So I listened to their message or I get an email. And I would refer that to one of my pastors. I say, this person needs you to go and help them. And so that person would call them up or send an email to make an appointment to go help them. And then I would get an email or I would get a phone call that says, we don't want them, we want you. And we don't want you to be our apostle, we want you to be our pastor. Now, I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm free at last, free at last. But they couldn't make the shift out of the old into the new. And the Lord had told me, he says, he said, everybody's not going to be able to go with you. See, so they, wa they wanted me to be something that I, I, I was trying to be for years, but I never was. They were wanting me to be a pastor, and God had always made me an apostle, but I just didn't have a definition for it. They wanted me to be all lovey-dovey and rub them on the top, top of their head and stuff like that, you know, and and I so identified with Jane yesterday. And then when she started talking about the people raising their hands, I watched Cheryl's hand. It went up kind of like this. Mercy motivated. And, I, <laughs> and, I was, and then when she brought that out, how the different ones raised their hand, and the, the ones who were like her went like this. It was so funny. And, uh, but we are making a shift in the body of Christ, not only in the body of Christ, but in here as well. Our shift is beginning to take on reflections of a new. You look at the foyer out there, and Bryant and Pam and, and Patty and Hal and others have gotten in here and created a foyer. I don't know if you've walked down that hallway. Oh, you have to have permission from me to walk down that hallway now. I'm just kidding. You walk down that hallway. I tell you what, I tell you what, I tell you what, do. Walk down this hallway first and look at the bathroom there. And then turn around and walk down this hallway and look at the new. And tell me the new is not better. 
Tell me the new is not better. You see, they had this issue in the book of Haggai also. That when they were rebuilding the temple, Haggai said, which of you look at this one and say, the former temple was better than this one right here? But the Lord says the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And we have to look beyond our tradition, look beyond ourselves and say, are we willing to embrace and move from the old and all the way over into the new? Because if we're a watchman of the old, then we're going to be an old wineskin. But if we're a watchman of where the Lord's doing, we're going to move into a new wineskin. And this month, the wineskin is shifting here, but it's shifting everywhere. Everywhere the wineskin is shifting. He tells them here, as he's speaking to them in verse 6, he says, On your walls, O Florida, I have appointed watchmen. And I just found it so fascinating now that twice... The Lord has come in here through his prophets, two different prophets, and has appointed us as watchmen prophets for this state. I find it, it's not just fascinating, but it's a huge responsibility and a huge shift that we have to make to become those watchmen prophets. It's a huge responsibility and a huge shift that we have to make and moving away from local church mentality and over into an apostolic hub mentality. It's a huge shift that some are not going to be able to make. Because even as we move into Friday nights, there will be other shifts that happen. This is a year of birthing. So there will be other births that take place that we don't even know about. We, we haven't even, we just know we're pregnant with some of it, but we don't know what it is. You remember, some of you can remember that time, you may have been part of that time, where you didn't know what your baby was until that baby was born. Cheryl was part of that time, Sally, some others. Yep, some of you know what I'm talking about. You didn't have one of these gender reveal parties. I never will forget when the twins come. We had prepared for one child. We had one baby bed. We had a bunch of pampers that probably would have lasted a couple of months with one child. But Cheryl kept telling the doctor, she said, I think I'm going to have twins. He said, no, you're just eating too much. And he put her on a protein diet. Because she was, she was, you just think you're big. Am I telling the truth? I mean, when she got up out of the chair, she was holding it <laughs> belly underneath here. It was so funny. And uh, she said, he said, no, you're not having twins. He, she, she said, I'm having twins. No, you're not having twins. Her mom had twins. You know, in the, the old wives' fable, it, it skips a, a, a a generation and so finally she convinced the doctor to take an x-ray and so he took it didn't have a sonogram so he took an x-ray and sure enough there were two babies in there and, and she had to have a c-section because one of them's butt was sitting in the birth canal the other one was turned properly we don't know which one it was but um 
Yeah. They were six three and six two and a half. These twins. Normally twins are two and three pounds. But these were six two and six three and a half pounds. That's why she was way out here. And uh, but I never will I never will forget that time of being unprepared. And she comes home. See, I'm so proud of myself because I've gotten all this accomplished. I've got the baby bed. We've got the pampers. I've helped fix up the room for one child. She comes home from the doctor. She walks in the door of our house, and she says, we're having twins. And my face fell to the floor. You've got to be kidding. We can't be. We're not ready for twins. We're ready for one. And so our mindset had to shift. We had to shift our mindset within 30 days. So we're not just pregnant with a move to move to Friday night. We're pregnant with many other things that's going to be birthed this year that we don't know what it is. And we're going to have to be ready to shift our mindset sometimes in a day's time. So we started having people give us more pampers. And I think we started having, I think we had something like 700 pampers. I said, man, this will last a year. Nope. Nope. But not only did our wineskin had to shift in our mind whenever we found out we are going to have twins, when they were born and we brought them home, our mindset had to shift. We had a six-year-old, three-year-old, and an infants. And so, all of a sudden, I'm having to step up to a new level as a dad. I'm having to shift into a new level. I'm having to shift. And I've always helped feed all of our kids and, and change diapers and stuff like this. But now, this is a whole new level, you know, that a woman can do. But what about a man? And I had to shift into this new level and when she come home, uh, her mom stayed with her for a week. But then after that, her mom had to go. And I, I t- asked the guys at the paper mill, I said, I need a week's vacation. The bosses, and they said, no, you can't have a vacation. We've got too many people off this week. I said, just know this. Next week, I will not be here. <laughs> so I called in, and they said, well, you're not coming in? I said, they said, for how long? I said, seven days. And they say, what's your reason? I said, my wife just came home with twins. So that was my reason. Our whole mindset had to shift as we moved into the new. We had to see things differently. We started, Cheryl, Cheryl real quickly adapted. Instead of feeding one baby at one time and one at the other time, if one baby woke up hungry, she woke the other one up and fed him. So that they both have messy diapers at the same time. You know, we, we had to learn how to do, we would, we would uh, like every, was it every morning we fixed bottles? We'd fill a whole shelf in the refrigerator. We'd fix bottles in the morning, fill an entire shelf full of milk in the refrigerator for both of those boys. We learned how to feed them just like this right here. Or like, I forget how it was, like this right here. We learned how to feed them. She also trained our six-year-old how to feed them, how to change their diaper and stuff like that. It was a whole new way of thinking. And there were times where, you know, that especially her, because she was there all the time. I was having to go back to work and, and shift work. And there were times that she would just be so overwhelmed. I'd come home sometimes to a 
crying woman. But each day she learned how to shift in what God was requiring of her. Every day. Which is what we have to do. We have to learn how to shift. And let me tell you something. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Thank God you're not a dog. Okay? You're not a dog. So he says here on your walls, O Florida, I have appointed. He's appointed watchman to us. That word appointed there is pokad. It actually means to be an overseer, to have charge of, and to remember. This word remember is important. We'll look visit here in a minute. But it means to visit, to be an overseer, to be in charge of, to remember. So the, the two prophets have come here and have appointed watchmen in Florida at, on two different seasons. And it says, on your walls, O Florida, God is saying to us, I want you to begin, begin operating day and night. On your walls. We need to begin looking at the walls of Florida, there's some of you that are going to rise in the middle of the night because that's going to become your watch. And the Lord's going to wake you up and you're going to start praying for different areas in Florida. Some of us, like me, wake up early. Uh, Jane says, early will I seek him means one o'clock in the morning. And to me, it means six, seven o'clock. But we're going to begin operating day and night because the watchman begins taking on a responsibility. Watchmen, listen to this, watchmen feel what the Lord is feeling. They feel that. Whenever, and I mentioned this this weekend to somebody, I don't know if it was in my message or to who. Whenever something awesome happens in Florida, I rejoice along with everybody else. Even though I'm not a Gator fan or FSU fan, when that team wins, I rejoice that a team in Florida has won. When something terrible happens in Florida, I grieve. I, <clears throat> I was in tears when we went to Panama City at the end of October last year. That Hurricane Michael happened in October. We were just maybe two to three weeks behind it when we went up there. I was in tears over the destruction I saw because this is my land. When the Pulse nightclub shooting took place. I, I refused to take a place of a judgmental attitude and begin to weep over the people who were killed. <clears throat> Watchman feels what the Lord is feeling. They see what the Lord sees. But watchmen also feel creation grown. Let me show you something in Romans, the eighth chapter. We'll probably come back here, so hold your place there. Romans chapter 8. He talks about the groaning and travailing. Verse 19. says, For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Let's read on. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. You go back to verse 19 where it talks about that 
for the anxious longing of the creation. That word anxious longing there is it's one Greek word that is mentioned there. And it actually it's apokardokia, and it means a sense of watching. That even creation watches. Not just watchmen prophets, creation watches. That tree's watching right now. That tree's been there a long time. It's been watching what the people here have been doing. That sand out there has been watching what we do. The grass watches what we do. The air watches what we do. We think it's just us that watching, but all of creation is watching. You may think those palm plants don't even hear what we're talking about, or elephant ear plants, whatever they are. They don't even hear what we're saying, but they actually hear also everything that is being spoken in the earth. So they're watching, but listen to what they're watching for. They're watching, all of creation is watching and eagerly waiting. Translation is eagerly anticipating. The revealing, the uncovering of the sons of God. Now, I love this because that tree is waiting for us to start acting like Jesus. That grass is starting waiting for us to act like Jesus. It's, it's, I, can, I can hear it saying sometimes, I wonder when they're going to start acting like Jesus. They've been acting out of their carnal for a long time. They've been talking about their trauma. They've been talking about their pains. They've been talking about their difficulty. They've been showcasing all this, but when will they shift and become a son of God and start acting as a son of God? Creation's waiting for that. All of creation's waiting for that. Watchmen prophets need to begin to arise and begin to look that way and see that way. Then you go back over with me now to Isaiah. And he, he begins giving definition to the watchman prophets, the shamar of the Lord. He says, all day, all night, they're not going to keep silent. We touched on that. Some of you are going to be rising in the day. Some of you are going to be rising at night. And you're not going to be able to keep silent. So this is what happened to me a few weeks ago. When I went into this birthing thing, I could see what I was birthing. And the first day that it happened, it was for six hours. And I didn't walk around, oh, oh. But there was a, an anticipation in me, and I was praying in the Spirit almost all the time. I walked into Brian's office. I said, there's such, you remember this? There's such a birthing on me today. And so I walked around most of the day praying in the Spirit. I couldn't focus or get things done that I needed to do, but the Lord has something more important to do. So he brought me into that place of birthing, and we're in such a birthing season. And then when our uh, grandsons, Logan and Lee, were with us, I think the last week of May, uh, March on spring break, and I took off to hang out with them. Always remember, you need to hang out with your grandkids and your kids. I'm, going, I'm actually going home uh, to Orlando uh, Easter and having Easter with our kids. And uh, we're going, Cheryl's going to cook chicken pot pie. Shut your mouth, slap your grandma. <laughs> and... <clears throat> We, I was, we were hanging out with Lee and Logan and Banner. Thank you. Don't let me forget Banner and Kenneth. And this birthing thing hit me again. 
that morning. And I went out on our balcony and I started praying and I started singing. Cheryl knocks on the window. She says, we have neighbors. <laughs> I was praying in tongues and singing all hail the power of Jesus' name. She said it was loud. To me, it was normal. And, uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> I was on my watch. And I don't know what I was birthing, but I was birthing. You know, I don't know everything I was birthing. I know some of the things I was birthing. But there was that groaning of spirit, not, not, not bent over in, in pain or agony, but that groaning of spirit that was coming out of me in tongues. I spent majority of the prayer time in tongues, not hardly any in English at all, except to praise him and to sing. <clears throat> but he's going to cause us to hit these places of birthing intercession, of watchman intercession, that we're going to begin releasing the word of the Lord into the atmosphere, sometimes through our praying in tongues. And there's things that God wants to birth in you. There's things he wants to birth in this state, things he wants to birth in the nation, things he wants to birth here at Kingdom Gate that, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, except God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. And you're, you'll hit those places. So Now let me say this. Help me to be nice, Lord. Just, I'm going to be the apostle, thank you. But I'm not going to say what I was thinking. Because that wouldn't be too apostolic. Uh, we have moved on from mercy. Dutch said that the other day. We're leaving this now. <laughs> I was told that yesterday by somebody else as well. And, uh, but listen, it is a must that you refocus your eyes and get your eyes off yourself. I can't iterate enough and reiterate. That the more it's about you, the less fit for the kingdom you will be. I think it's saying in a, in a firm way, but in a kind way as well. Jesus said it like this. I always struggle with this scripture here. He said, once a man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's not fit. For the kingdom. There's a fitness we need to come into. Maybe you've done that in the past. Maybe you've looked back in the past. But now's a day that you can begin taking the plow. Chuck's saying it's time to plow. So we take the plow and we begin putting it in the ground. And we begin moving in that plow and we don't look back. Cheryl and I have never desired, at least not at where we are now, to go back to Alabama. We go back to Alabama and visit there for two or three days. You have to remember that this is where we were born and raised. We love this state. And then God called us to leave there. And now when we go back, we're there for two days, and we want to go home to Florida. Not home. Alabama's not home anymore. Some people ask me, where is your home, Florida? Where were you? So I have to rephrase and say, this is where I was born and raised in Alabama. But now listen to this. I've been in Florida now as many years as I was in Alabama. I've been in Florida 
for 30 years, came in 1988, and just maybe one or two years longer in Alabama. Won't be long, I'll be more home in Florida. This is my home. This is where I put my roots at. This is where my blessings flow. My blessings flow from Florida. I'm blessed in Florida. I have authority in Florida. I'm not blessed in Alabama. I don't have authority in Alabama. Unless I go and my mom fixes dinner for me, then I'm blessed. But the blessings don't come on me and overtake me in Alabama. They come on me and overtake me in Florida. And this is where I am planted. This is where the Lord planted me. Say, planted me. All right. He goes on to say here, you who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourself. I want to talk to you about that. That reminding the Lord is a lot like being like Moses. When God would want to destroy the people, God, uh, Moses comes and he reminds God of what he said. When God wants to wipe them out, Moses says, what are all the other nations going to say? That you were not able to do this. Now, Moses is bold because he, he tells him, if you do this, they're going to say, God, you were not able to do this. I like this about Moses. God, if you did not bring coastal awakening to Florida in my lifetime, they're going to think you're not able to do this. It's getting kind of bold, isn't it? It's like the blacksmith in the Hebrides when the, when the island, on the night that the island of the Hebrides shook, it's islands off of Scotland, where Trump's family is from. His aunt was one of the praying intercessors that helped birth. She was a watchman prophet that helped birth the revival. On the night that that revival happened, the island literally shook. The Dishes in the cupboard shook, but a blacksmith said this. He was praying. It was his turn to pray. I don't remember everything he said, but this stuck out, and I've never forgotten it. He said, Lord, your reputation is at stake. That's moving all responsibility from you onto God. Lord, I'm doing my part now. I'm praying, but your reputation is at stake in Florida. You have told us you're going to do this. Now you have got to step up to the plate and do this. Now all the religious folks won't like that. I was going to say that, Lord, you've got to man up and do this. Religious folks really wouldn't have liked that, so let me go ahead and say it. Lord, you've got to man up and do what you promised to do in Florida. Now Moses would have said that. That's being apostolic. That's not being pastoral. You've got to remind the Lord. Here, here's some reminders that you do. You remind him of the promise. You remind him of the promise of his word. You remind him, number two, you remind him of the prophetic words that he has spoken, both in Scripture and to us. We remind him. I remind him of what he has said about Florida. I, re, I remind him, number three, my, remind him that his plans are for hope and for a future. Just like Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for an expected end. Remind him of his covenant, of what he has said in his covenant. You who remind the Lord 
Remind him. Take these four things and start reminding him. This is what you promised. This is the prophetic word we've had. These are the plans you have. This is the covenant that you have. There are times when I get a little frustrated and get into a place of prayer with the Lord. I know none of you ever do that. And uh, I, <clears throat> I get into a place of prayer and I hold this ring up. All of you know the story behind the ring. And I say, God, you gave me this ring. It signifies that I'm married to you. It signifies in the earth that I'm married to Cheryl. But it signifies that I'm married to you and I am reminding you of the covenant that I have with you. You need to remind him of that covenant that he has with you. Remind him of the covenant that he has with Florida. Remind him that Florida was first settled in America. Remind him that St. Augustine is the first continuous city. Remind him that the Huguenots were here praying people, French Huguenots, who prayed and cried out to God. Remind him of that. You don't have to remind him of the death that they did. He knows that. You remind him of the promises. I've never once been felt led to go up there and repent for what happened to the Huguenots, mainly because I didn't do it. If, if you do, I know a lot of people who do, but if you do, that's okay with me. I'm not putting that down. I look at the heritage they left. I don't look at the, at the sin that, that was left by the Spanish. I look at the heritage that the Huguenots placed in this state and in this nation. The first Protestant prayers were prayed in Florida. Think about that for a moment. If you go up there and walk those grounds, I'm just going to, if I go up there and ever walk those grounds, I'm coming into alignment with the prayers that they prayed. That's what I'm coming in alignment for. Listen to this. He sa it, says, Give, take, it says, for you, take no rest. Right now, there is, although I lay down and go to sleep at night, in my spirit, I am, I am restful, but I am also at a place of saying, we've got to get this done. God wants to do this. Let's press in. Let's continue to press in. Let's continue to move forward. Then it says, give him no rest. That means you keep making mention of all of his covenants. You give him no rest until he establishes and makes Florida a praise in the earth. Now, I love this. Jump with me to the book of Habakkuk now. Habakkuk is an awesome scripture that talks about a watchman prophet. Habakkuk chapter 2. I've always loved this. This passage is a scripture that talk about the watchman. He says, I will stay on my guard post. Station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens toward the goal. It will not fail, though it tarries. Wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. I want to unpack this for a little bit. Because here the watchman is saying, he's speaking to the watchman prophet, the Shamar, and he's saying to him, the, the Shamar is saying, I'm going to get on my guard post. I'm going to get in my watchtower. I'm going to get on my wall. Ever, anybody ever seen a watchtower? 
I mean, in real life. There, there's one as you go into the Grand Canyon. That's the first one I ever saw from the east side. You go into the Grand Canyon. There's, a, there's an Indian watchtower there. Now, when you go in there, be sure you have your armor on because it's demonic writings all in this place. And so, but what fascinated me, and I'm not afraid of the devil, so I have all authority over him. The Bible tells me so, and I don't mind exercising it when I need to. I'll exercise my Second Amendment right to kick the devil where he needs to be kicked. <laughs> and uh, but I remember going in there and being so fascinated with the fact that these Native Americans had set up a watchtower to overlook a valley. This was up on a, a mountain. To overlook a valley, you know, and it was a tourist place. There were all kind of people in there. And when you got in there, you felt the presence of demons big time. But my focus wasn't on the demons. My focus on, was on what that structure reflected. It reflected watchtowers and watch people who watch over regions and territories, who watches over their territory. And Habakkuk here, he's staying. I'm going to get in my guard post. I'm going to get in my watchtower. I'm going to station myself where I need to be stationed. And he says, I will watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. I found all of that fascinating because he says, I'm watching to see what the Lord's going to say. I find it very strange wording there because he's watching to hear. Kind of sounds different, doesn't it? But it, when you take on the role of a watchman prophet, a lot of times you're seeing, hears things. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But you're seeing, hears things. Because you're not seeing in the natural, you're seeing in the spirit. So you're seeing, will hear things that are, that's taking place. I'll give you an example of this. In October 24th, 2007, it was a major shift that took place in my life. I had had a dream in, in uh, August of 1993, and two angels came into my dream, picked me up on either side of my arms and lifted me to take me across an expanse of time, this right here. And I asked them in this dream, what are you doing? They're, they said, we're here to prepare you for the days that are ahead. They were taking me days and years across time in this dream. It's a fascinating dream. There's more to it. They took me in a huge building and, uh, and then seated me on one vacant seat right over on that corner there. But the inside of this building looked like the United Nations. And there were people in there that represented every tribe, every kindred, every tongue under the nation. As soon as they seated me, they left. And Jesus walks in through the same door that I came in through, except he doesn't, he doesn't have a gate like I have a gate. He's kind of flowing. He has black hair, and he's going down the aisle. And when he comes in, the whole atmosphere in this room just stands at attention. He comes over to me where I'm sitting, and he leans over like this, and he said to me, what did you expect? As if though I should have been expecting something. 
And he said, this is to prepare you for the days that are ahead. And he turns and does his hand like this. And I fall out of my seat in holy laughter. And the whole place fell out of their seat in holy laughter. Then, 14 years later, on a Wednesday night, October 24, 2007, we're at the church, we're praying one night, it's just plowing prayer, nothing, nothing great is happening, you know, we're not jumping up and down and shouting, we're just walking around praying in tongues. We had changed our Wednesday night prayer meeting to a Wednesday night prayer meeting. And so, we didn't have many people there, just a few people there, because most people don't come to prayer meeting. They come on a Sunday morning, but not to prayer meeting. And, uh, and so I won't go there. It's another message for another time. And so all of a sudden, the atmosphere shifts, but I'm the only one that feels or sees the shift. And two angels walk in to the sanctuary, and I'm seeing them. I most of the time see angels in my spirit, but I'm seeing them now like I see you. I've only had that happen twice. One was then in 2007. And one was here. You'll remember this. And when I said I saw an angel, I saw the wingtips of an angel right over here. Just that quick, I saw it with my natural eye. And, uh, but what was so crazy about this is when they came into the sanctuary, my spirit began communicating with them immediately. It was almost like an, um, a, a, some kind of cord was attached between them and I. And I could, my spirit could hear. My spirit was communicating. Even though I don't know what my spirit was saying. I knew it was communicating. But then I heard my spirit say in the English. They said, oh by the way. It's the same two angels from the dream. My spirit said, what are you doing here? And they said, we're here to help you transition. They're what I call transitioning angels. That they had come because now was the time, and 14 years later, now was the time, it was time to shift into a new place. And it was maybe eight, nine months later that Cheryl and I resigned. Lighthouse World Outreach had been there for 20 years, resigned and got into proper alignment. Listen to this. As watchmen, we've got to begin watching with our eyes, not the natural eye. Listen, to know what the Lord is doing, it, it will appear in many different fashions. Sometimes you'll see it in the Spirit. Sometimes you'll see it in the newspaper. Sometimes you'll see it in Spirit. Sometimes you'll see it on the, on the TV. I've watched Hollywood prophesy sometimes more than the church prophesies. I really do. They, do. they do all the time. I was telling someone the other day, they were saying, I was when I was down in Clueston, they said, Trump's going to be down here on the, on, the, on the dam of the lake today. I said, watch for his apostolic words because he's going to speak apostolic words. Now, most of you, uh, I say most of you, some of you don't have ears to hear that. But Trump is always speaking apostolically, constantly. He's always taking dominion. This is a fascinating man that can take the hits one run after the other from the enemy and get back up and throw some hits back. Blows my mind. Then he says, I'm going to watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Now, I also find it fascinating that the watchman prophet here thought he was going to be reproved. I don't know why he thought that. Because the next answer is not a reproval. 
The next answer is telling him what he needs to do with the vision. And maybe that's, what, that maybe that's the, reproval, uh, uh, re, you know, the reproval that he needs is that he has not written down the vision. But here's the Lord answered and said to me, record the vision. Well, what is the vision? What is your vision? What is our vision? What's the vision of Florida? What is the vision? The Lord, the Lord has come in here over the last six months or eight months, however long it is from October to now, and has revealed his vision twice to the state of Florida and to this house. Revealed it twice. I want you to be watchman prophets. That's his vision. I want you to be watchman prophets. He came in through Cindy Jacobs. He came in through Cindy Jacobs. and he, I mean Cindy Jacobs and Jane Hammond. And he said, I want you to have a house of prayer. So we're going to do the Florida Prayer Center. And then Jane Hammond says, this place is going to be like a gate called Beautiful. It's going to be a place of healing. So now we're going to form the healing rooms. So now we have to begin taking on the vision, eating the vision to where the vision gets in our DNA. We have to record it and get it down, get this vision down inside the DNA. Somebody please help me get Jane's words in transcript. Listen to this. Inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. I believe that we are at the appointed time. I've gotten out of this thing that down the road it's going to happen. We are at the appointed time. Somebody mentioned before church, I forget who it was, says, what time is it? It's now time. It's now time. Somebody, oh, I think it was, I forget who it was. It may have been Wendy. Talked about the now time to me, and somebody did, and said, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's not in the future. I don't remember. Was it you? Okay. I'll give you the credit. Bryant said that. Now is a time, just like future is a time, just like past is a time, now is a time. And when he says now is a, now faith is, it's bringing faith into context of now, not context of the future. So we're in a now time. The appointed time is here. Listen to this. It hastens toward the goal. Here's the goal. The goal has been revealed to us. This vision will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Now, I love this because here the Lord is saying to us that this thing, this vision is hastening toward the goal. This year, some of this vision the Lord has given to us is going to come, into, come to pass. We're going to start walking in it. We're going to walk. <clears throat> this is a word. We're going to walk out of death traps. And we're going to start walking into the goals and the visions of the Lord. We're going to stop caught being caught in the snare of the enemy and start getting caught in the vision of the Lord. I'm going to eat this vision. I'm going to wear this vision. I'm going to carry this vision. This is my vision. This is the vision for the house. No, I'll just go ahead and be the apostle. I don't want to. I don't want to put your band-aids on you. I don't want to stitch you up. I have no desire to do that. I desire, who I am is to take this house and other houses into a place of a vision that takes Florida for the Lord. 
kingdom. Can't wait till Jim Hodges gets here in June. He's going to release kingdom words you've never heard before. This guy's unreal when he gets talking about kingdom. Woo. Come on. Get it here, Lord. Though it tarries, wait for it. It's not tearing any longer, y'all. It will certainly come. It will not delay. That word wait there in the Hebrew, and you've heard me talk about this before, is the word quava. And it means to tether yourself to the vision. In Isaiah 40, 31, the word wait there is quava. It means to bind yourself or tether yourself to the Lord. Here it means to bind yourself to the vision. You begin eating the vision. You carry the vision. You wear the vision. You let it become a part of your life. I've been, I've been taking this word that God's given me on air supremacy. I'm not ready to preach on this more yet, but I've been, I've been, God's been showing me some things about heirs that bring a whole new authority revelation into your life. Being heirs and joint heirs with Christ. I'll just touch on a little bit with you because it is so good. If I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ, that also means that we're co-heirs. It does. Co-heirs, and this is where walking in the Spirit is so important. That when we walk in the Spirit, if we connect with someone who's walking in the Spirit... Two co-heirs together have tremendous authority. A carnal person and a co-heir or one who's walking in the Spirit have no authority whatsoever. Give you an example of this. Yesterday or day before, I forget which one, Wendy was sitting out there with a headache. I didn't know where she was. I went to the restroom. I said, what are you doing sitting out here? She says, I've got a headache that's killing me. I said, well, I'm your daddy. Let me pray for you spiritual daddy and so I laid hands on her and immediately bam it left co-heir authority co-heir authority God's showing me more and more about this if we learn how to walk in this we're going to experience the authority that help me say this right In, in in Scotland they would say the authority of a clan but this we would we would be more familiar with the authority of a family that family has authority also. And so we need to tether ourselves to the promise. Watchmen, in Psalms 130, verse 6, I'm going to bring this to a close. Watchmen, wait for the Lord. And Isaiah 52, 8, watchmen, see with their own eyes when the Lord brings restoration. Watchmen, see the shift of the wineskin and begin announcing that shift before it ever takes place. Amen? Amen. All right, stand to your feet.